Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 391 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd joining you here again, as we have for the previous 390 episodes, except for the episodes where we had people on for <laughs> How are we doing, Todd? I am doing well. We're get, we're closing in on 400, Joe. Mm-hmm. We're doing something super special for 400 or no? We're just going to let it be low key. No, we're actually going to do something special for um After Dark 176, but I think we'll talk about that later. Okay. This is of all the stuff that's been going on today. Uh Todd and I have been on the blower as it were for almost 2 hours already. <laughs> um and there's one thing of all the things that we mentioned in the crux of this show, um, there's one thing that we haven't mentioned because I'm glad we can save it for the show. Oh, good. It'll be toward the end and the plugs and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have comic book stuff to talk about, of course. Um, more Justice League books spinning out of metal and when is too much enough. Uh, two big announcements from IDW of all places. Uh, a reprinting of a classic tale, <laughs> which was in itself a adaptation of a classic tale, and another one, Todd, that I don't want to say too much about right now, except for these four letters, G-D-M-F. Oh my god. Ugh, I just rolled my eyes so hard. <laughs> uh, conventions this weekend, of course, uh, digital sales and freebies. Uh, what we read from this past week, uh, which was Killer Be Killed number 17 and Mighty for number 705, what we're looking forward to coming out this week, uh, Todd's Art Attack, of course, and TV discussion with the most recent episode of Legends of Tomorrow and the debut episode of Krypton. Mm-hmm. Or they say it on the show in my head, Krypton. Krypton. Yeah, it's Krypton. We're going back to Krypton. Going back to Krypton. Krypton. <laughs> Keep going. No, I'm done. I, so I can do we the no, I don't think so part. Then we have to pay if I do too much. All right. So we talked last week that spinning out of Dark Knight's Metal, which uh, culminates this week as you're listening to this episode, uh, that Scott Snyder is taking over the Justice League book. Uh, and again, this is one of those stealth things that I'm like, how did I miss this? Uh, but one thing that I didn't miss, as WonderCon was this past weekend, there are two new Justice League books that are going to be alongside the Scott Snyder Justice League book. Uh, one uh, called Justice League Odyssey, uh, written by Josh Williamson, who is currently doing the Flash book, uh, which is going to be led by Darkseid with Cyborg, Starfire, uh, Azrael uh, on, the, on the team. And one written by James Tinian called Justice League Dark, not to be confused with <laughs> Damien Dark of Legends of Tomorrow, led by Wonder Woman, which sees her team as Zatanna, Man Bat, Swamp Thing, and Detective Chimp. Now, Todd, and is a demon on the team? Uh, I don't know. He's on the cover that they teased, but they didn't say his name in the whatever. Okay, I see. I saw him on the, in the picture, so I figured he's part of it. Right. 
you know how these reports from conventions go, Todd. They're, the reporting is spotty at best. Wow, we should have been there. We would have had all the answers. So I was excited for the Justice League book under the helm of Scott Snyder. I'm not sure how I feel about three Justice League books coming out uh, under this whole rebranding of Justice League coming out of metal. Mm. See, if, if that's how you feel, you can imagine how I feel because I'm not a Snyder guy anymore. Mm-hmm. And then there's three books spinning out of it, and it's all spinning out of metal. And my my take on it was when I heard Snyder talk, like see, seeing the little snippets of interviews and stuff like that, he's like, well, you know, you thought metal was big. Like, well, spinning out of metal is this. It, just, it, it gets bigger. And I'm like, that, and that always comes back to my problem with Snyder is Snyder just likes to go bigger, 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 bigger. And I'm like, well, sometimes you have to dial it back and – I'm actually, I, just like Dark was the one I was kind of maybe looking forward to with the Alan Moore looking Swamp Thing, um, with the big, uh, moss beard. You gotta love Swamp Thing having a beard now. Um, but otherwise, I just, I, I, this, this, all this talk of these new Justice League books is doing absolutely nothing for me. If maybe I'm gonna try some of them, like for the show, and unless they blow me away, a one and done. I could see me doing a lot of these Justice League books. Right. So, uh, again, as mentioned, Justice League Dark. It's just that these teams are so fascinating. Not so much as the creative teams, but the characters that they have on the teams. Mm-hmm. And this was actually uh, something I wanted to point up, point out, of course, is that the design of Swamp Thing, somebody else pointed this out. I, I don't want to take credit for it. That the fact that they're actually making Swamp Thing look like Alan Moore. Mm-hmm ridiculous right and i've already told the fancy gentleman that uh asriel is going to be in one of the groups so so he can buy that issue right and i think that's the the book written by james tinian we're currently in the midst of you know him, him wrapping up his run on detective all those characters and relationships uh that he's established there you know obviously this is where asriel's going it'll be interesting to see where you know batwing goes where Batwoman goes, of course, she has her own book, of course, and at least now we know Azrael is joining the Justice League Dark. I thought he was joining the Justice League Odyssey. No, uh, bu- 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 you, uh, you are probably right. I just closed the the link here. Uh, yeah, he's on Odyssey. My my bad. Sorry, I sometimes I have to, you know, correct hey, listen, you. If you have to correct me, I got no problem with that. I'm wrong most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, like I yeah. said, these books have been added to the list tentatively as as uh, as of today. They do not have a release date, but just the concepts of them, I'm intrigued by. But a lot of the strengths of whether or not any of them are going to be sticking around is uh, going to be how metal pans out, and you know, we go from mm-hmm. there. Right. I hope they have a midnight sale for all these Justice League books. Mm -hmm. Me too. I like those midnight sales. Me too. So, uh, IDW uh, is going back to a publisher, a little known and I think little remembered publisher from the 90s. Todd, I'm not sure if you remember this. In the early 90s, comics were the biggest things in sliced bread. Sliced bread having been invented the year prior. (laughs) And one of the publishers was it was Tops, who did uh, your trading cards, your baseball cards. They decided to get into the uh, 
comic book market, and one of the most sought-after books that they published was a movie adaptation of Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, because it was early pre-Hellboy art by Mike Magnolia. And this is coming out through IDW this fall. Now, were you joking when you said little-known comic company? Um... I, I wouldn't say a little known, but I don't think in 2018 people remember Topps Comics. Okay. I remember Topps Comics. I know you're blown away by that. Todd, this is the show where the people who remember Topps Comics come and commiserate. That's right. Now, not only do I remember Topps Comics, I had this miniseries. Oh, really? It came bagged. Mm-hmm. And it had a... A Dracula card in each bag. Right. And the only reason I was getting this, because I did not realize when I found out that it was like, oh, it's the the adaptation of of Dracula. I was getting it because I don't know if you know this about me is I I'm smitten with Winona Ryder. Ah. And Winona Ryder was in the movie, so I got this comic. Um, she didn't look exactly like she did in the movie in the comic. No? Uh, no. But I remember, and I do remember Tops, the other stuff that they did. They had the Jurassic Park license back in the day. Right. I remember they had a bunch of adaptations, of course. You know, as you had mentioned, uh, I remember they had X-Files. I remember they had Xena. Um, <laughs> I remembered, yeah. I, I well, I, this is where I got mixed up because I remember when Duckman got republished. It was through <laughs> Dark Horse. And a lot of the stuff through Tops ends up coming out later reprinted through Dark Horse. But I remembered all of their license stuff that they had. Do you remember the Jack Kirby stuff that they had that they found in a desk drawer? <laughs> no, I did not remember that, unfortunately. There um, was a little bit of Kirby stuff that, that I guess, like, the family found and after he passed away and they sold it. Like, they're like, here, go do Kirby, like, Kirby characters. Mm-hmm. I think there was, like, a Liberty Bell or something like character or Liberty. Right. I, went, I, I went and I looked this stuff up, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, there was Bombast. There was Captain Glory. Mm-hmm. There was Silver Star. Night Glider. Victory. Satan's Six and Teen Agents. Wow. I remember none of this. I remember them, and I remember them come, some of them coming out. I never got any of them. Right. Now, the stuff that I did remember, uh, you know, as you had mentioned before, you know, a lot of those movie adaptations, the Jurassic Park stuff and so forth, um, I did have those. I did have the... Um, I think I had the first I the first issue of the Dracula one, and I'm just like, no, oh, this isn't for me. Um, the two, of course, that I, I want to bring up here, and I want now really bad uh, in my collector's days, and I, I can imagine that they're difficult to find. Uh, one would be the Barbie Twins Adventure comic. Oh, oh boy. You remember the Barbie Twins, Todd. I, I remember all four of them. There was four of them? I mean, two of them. Two all of right. them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and they did a miniseries of Jason versus Leatherface. Yep. I have no memory of this, but now it is the thing that I need most in my life. Okay. Barbie Comics. Uh, no, I just found the calendar. I found a Topps calendar. Uh, I was looking on eBay. Are you sure it wasn't a Barbie calendar that the Topps did? 
It, it claims right here, original series Barbie Twins Adventure one shot. Oh, you can get that for a buck forty five with three ninety nine shipping or best offer. Oh, now the the Jason vs. Leatherface book had Simon Bisley covers. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! They are beautiful. <sighs> I wonder what they're worth. I'm looking that up now. You look that up now. So yeah, to- so tops. Uh, and obviously, a lot of this stuff is not going to see the light of day ever again. And the only reason this Bram Stoker's Dracula thing is is because it was an early work of Mike Magnolia, and he's uh, saying that I'm happy that uh, it's back in print and so on and so forth. Uh, thanks for bringing it back in, and he says one of the fewer jobs that I'm actually proud of. One of the early I jobs found the that Jason. I did. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I I found the Jason versus uh, Leatherface. Uh, Top stuff. Okay. Ooh, you don't want you don't want those. Those is expensive. Like they they don't even like. There's none from. I think it's a three parter. There's nothing under sixty dollars on eBay. <laughs> um, and they somebody has a set of three, a near mint, a hundred dollars with six dollars shipping. I think that's the way to go. No, listen, I'm seeing here. Right, they have the hundred dollars uh, for the three. Hmm. They have some uh, slabbed copies, of course. Right. Um, I'm sure if I really want to read this, I can. I'm sure I could find a way, Todd. Mm -hmm. Now, next week, stay tuned when we discuss Legend Comics. Oh, my goodness. Remember them? That I don't remember, actually. Mm. Legend Comics was what was going to be, like, the antithesis of Image... It was it was all the writers. Remember, like when Image, I want to say it was like John Byrne, and I'm trying to remember who the writers were. It was like all these people are like, and we're gonna show you, and they just got buried. I, their their symbol like in the corner, like Image was an eye. Theirs was the Easter Island uh, statue heads. Now see that I remember. Mm-hmm. And I looked up, I was looking it up on, on my phone, Legends, but all I ever get is the DC comic uh, six-part miniseries by John Byrne. Right. So it makes it hard to search for. And there's a UK sports book company uh, also called Legends, so that's tough. Mm-hmm. Right. So we'll have to do some more research on that. Now, for speaking of IDW, and speaking of them going to... Uh, you know, some old material that's highly sought after that people have been looking for back in print. Uh, they also put out a series of graphic novels. Uh, they did one about Andre the Giant, kind of like a biographical sort of thing. They also did one about Andy Kaufman recently. And they had some success with these uh, wrestling ones. And they reached out, Todd, to one of the greatest storytellers in the in the world of professional wrestling. And... The one, the only, Jim Cornette, a.k.a. Jim Clarinet on the show, is going to be immortalized in a graphic novel about the crazy stories that he's told about the, the profe- about professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I actually first heard about this listening to Jim Cornette's podcast, The Jim Cornette Experience, uh, comes out every uh, Thursday uh, at uh, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, so they're going to do a Kickstarter for it, 
with a bunch of little things, which IDW does that a lot of times. They'll like, it's like, oh, here's a board game on our properties. We're kind of like a big company, but let's do a Kickstarter on something just so we can kind of gauge the feeling of whatever it is. Right. And uh, I'm going to see how long I can uh, do this. Uh, Excuse me. When Jim's on the podcast talking about uh, what this project is going to be like. Uh, It's going to be the first comic graphic novel of its kind. (laughs) MF. And I'm going to be like, imagine like an EC comic. I'm going to be the Crypt Keeper. GD. Introducing all sorts of things. I've got input on creative as well. I can only do it so long. It's going to be very realistic in the terms of the art as well as the truth of stories. GD. MF. Every issue, the first issue comes bagged with a burger towel. (laughs) Oh, I hope that's an incentive. But I kid because I love. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about a Kickstarter going on with this. I know all the Jim stories, probably just as well as he does, because I hear them all the time from shooting interviews and podcasts. Uh, but I really do uh, look forward to this project. I'm, I, I think I'm probably uh, one of the few people <laughs> very much looking forward to this. Uh, past guest of After Dark, Tom Green, when this announcement came out. He tweeted that this comic is the exact opposite of the Black Panther comic book. Wow. Jim gets a lot of guff because of his old man views, Todd. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. No, I don't. But let me say, I could hardly contain my excitement about this comic coming out, and I can't wait until we probably review it. Oh, Todd. You better believe you when when this gets announced, you better circle that date on your calendar, Todd. And maybe oh boy. do a skull and crossbones on it as well, because we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about this boy. We might get its own episode, I don't know. Oh. And uh I think that's the day I get plane tickets. But um <laughs> But also I looked it up and I this is where I went wrong on the Legends comic imprint show. Mm. It was part of Dark Horse. Oh, okay. And I think it was, though, it was like a, a per, certain creators like, oh, we're going to do this and be different. We're going to be the writing because it had like it had Hellboy and concrete under it and everything. But that just jumped out at me that uh, I wanted to mention that. So while we while I had the, the, the floor, if you will. So they're not going to get their own mention on the uh, show next week. No, 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 because they're part of Dark Horse and Dark Horse doesn't need our push in them. Right. For various reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Jim Cornette comic book. Baby. I can't wait. <laughs> so happy. I'm so happy, Joe. Oh, Todd. Perfect. I couldn't have planned it better. If only they put out D- Doctor Who comic books and you forced me to read them here. Oh, wait. No. That did happen. No, I never forced you. You lost the bet, son. You just got to make those bets better. <laughs> there is going to be. Now, I will say this. I'm not going to force you to read this. Mm-hmm. But we will. I will certainly be talking about this when this comes out. I have no doubt. Me, I might be buying two copies, Joe. Oh, two? <laughs> yes, sir. One to do something with and one to put one on top. There you go. All right. Uh, so conventions this weekend. There's a bunch of little ones all over the greater United States. The Mulberry Comic Con in Mulberry, Arkansas. The Grape City Con in Lodi, California. And the Indiana Comic Con, which is surprisingly in Indianapolis, Indiana, Todd. 
Wow, that's good fortune. <laughs> but the big one this weekend is Awesome Con in Washington, D.C. And obviously, uh, no uh, coincidence that D.C. is going to have a very big presence there. Uh, Dan Jurgens, uh, Scott Snyder, Tom King, uh, Greg Capullo, Keith Giffen are going to be there. Jim Starlin is also going to be there. Uh, and they're also having a lot of media guests as well. John Boyega. Oh, uh, Finn. Right, Finn uh, from the Hawk and Finn stories, I think. <laughs> uh, I think he's also in Pacific Rim. Yeah, part right. two. Right. Uh, and also on the media guest side, uh, I, I want to I point this out to people. While James Gunn himself is not going to be there, this is a mm-hmm. perfect opportunity to complete your Guardians of the Galaxy slash James Gunn bingo card. Because not only is uh, Sean Gunn, uh, James Gunn's brother, going to be there, uh, Michael Rooker is going to be there, Batiste is going to be there, and Michael Rosenbaum is going to be there. So no greater collection of James Gunn folks are going to be at this uh, convention altogether, which does not happen very often. And if you are at Awesome Con, head on over to Keith Giffen's table. And say hi to him for us, and uh, get a Mark photo with him, and ask him ask him about his uh, his vexed run if oh, you could. Oh boy, don't, don't don't taunt poor the Giffen. Right. <laughs> now there's also a bunch of world wrestling entertainers that are going to be there as well, Todd. I would be remiss not to mention those. Of course, uh, Christian, formerly of Edge and, is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New Day are going to be there, all three members of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, former ECW superstar Tommy Dreamer is going to be there. Oh, you mean when Bender became a human? <laughs> You're thinking of the Sandman. Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, if I knew Tommy Dreamer was going to be in Washington, D.C. this past Saturday, I might have bought a ticket for the Washington, D.C. convention. But that's another story. Mm. Uh, but the links to all of these conventions are going to be in the show notes, uh, as is the links to soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, we're all of the shows under our little umbrella, like-minded individual friends, acquaintances, uh, well-wishers in that we don't wish them any particular <laughs> harm. Uh, whenever they put out a podcast or they appear on another podcast and remind me, and I'm near a device where I could publish it, it will be up at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, uh, where there'll be episodes of this show, episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and we got a doozy for you this week with the uh, soon to be named movie club Roman numeral three. Uh, with discussion of Dragnet, the 1987 classic, uh, Podvocacy, of course, Everlasting Minute, Profane Arguments, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Fresher and Parlance returned after a four-week hiatus, but the biggest hiatus of them all, Todd, after eight months of being away, Prodigal Sons Podcast released an episode. Now, they recorded it last Monday, and it took them eight days to publish it, Mm-hmm. But it appears as though the guy who edits the show, Adam, was in a very serious car accident, which is what prevented them from publishing the show. Don't you all feel like jerks now for making fun of them? No, I give you one. <laughs> there better not be eight months in between the next episode, and it better not be eight days in between recording the next episodes. Mm. 
Uh, but anytime any of that stuff comes available, you can find it over at soon-to-be-named-network.com or soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. And actually, speaking of which, let me go check in my Stooge file. Mm. Was there anything in your Stooge file? I'm checking it now. I'm checking to see if there's going to be another new episode. It does not appear as though they've recorded another episode this week. So it looks like they're back to their eight-month schedule. <laughs> like clockwork. Like clockwork. Oh, boy. Anyway, I do this because I love, I really I really enjoy the show. I mentioned it last week, how happy I was uh, that the show was coming back. And I wrote them all a gushing love letter of how much I missed the show. And then had to wait eight days for it to come out. Anyway. Uh, digital sales and freebies, no free, no new freebies, of course. They're getting real stingy with that sort of stuff. We do have a bunch of holdovers, uh, sales, uh, from the last couple of weeks. IDW having a sale on fantasy stuff. Uh, Dynamite having a sale on Pathfinder stuff. Uh, IDW having another separate sale on Women's History Month stuff. That Marvel Collection sale with the stuff that's only 99 cents is still going on. We're in the third week of it being a limited time only. So, <laughs> again, the clock is still ticking. Uh, Dynamite is ha- having a sale um, where it's they're just calling it recent number ones. And it's a bunch of stuff. Now, typically when stuff is on sale, it's 99 cents. But this stuff is 50 cents. Uh, so it's like really, really bargain basement prices. Uh, Boom is having a sale as well on a bunch of their trade paperbacks, more recent stuff. Just glancing over at uh, the Ted's book, Evil Empire, The Woods, stuff like that uh, is part of the sale. Uh, Marvel is having another sale on Wolverine Essentials. And again, your mileage may vary there. Uh, also having a sale on 2099 stuff. Now, Todd, I think you would tout that Doom 2099 story. That was really good. Right. I really enjoyed that. I mean, it was 44, 44 issues. I think around like 38 it goes off the rails. But most of that before is really, really good. And there's a Warren Ellis storyline in there that's really good. Right. Um, so definitely check that out. The Wolverine Essentials, of course. And DC, I want to say, this week's sale for them. Uh, typically they'll have a weekly theme sale. Uh, it's Future's End is the theme of this sale, Todd. Which was all the one-shots from Re- Future's End? Remember the New 52, Todd? I, I Yes, I do, sadly. Remember the weekly series, Future's End? Yes. And then remember all the books that were being published at that time had, like, the lenticular cover thing? Right. Yeah, all of those are on sale. Yep, the one that a lot of, some of the bigger names didn't even want to tie into. Right. Uh, some did, most did not. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if there's some future end thing happening in this week's books that somehow ties this in. I don't know. Maybe. It's it's the end of futures in some of the books. Right. Well, when we get into some of the books that are coming out this week, maybe there might be some clues. And then after we read said books, there might even be some more clues. Mm-hmm. Late books from a company. That's all I'm saying. All right. It's only three weeks away. late. Relax. So late, late. late is late. You ain't kidding. It's not eight months late, but still. Todd, let's get yes. to what we read from this past week. Sure. Would you like me to start? I would. 
Because you, cause you rambled a lot? Is that the, the bit we do here? Right, that's um, part of the script. That's part of the show that everyone loves. When I ramble and then have to, like, catch my breath and, like, go into my oxygen tent to come back to life. That's right, with your monkey and you throw it to me. Right. All right, so the book I was looking forward to most last week was The Mighty Thor 705, which is the death of Mighty Thor. Um, basically... Mangog, which is this like uh, this creation of pure ha- hatred, is attacking uh, Asgard and uh, unworthy Thor and Odin and the, some of Asgardians are trying to hold them back. And it's been up to Jane Foster, who has been fighting cancer, but being the mighty Thor, it's been every time she turns into Thor, it fights like the chemotherapy. And where she was told, if you turn into Thor. One more time, that's it. You have no more fight left in you, and you're going to die. But she decides that it's her, you know, her fight to to help, and goes off to fight Mangog. Spoiler alert: she ends up stopping him. But in the event of stopping her, she gets separated from her hammer, and this is her. What's going to happen to her when she changes back into Jane Foster? We all know it. Um, I really enjoyed this. This showed her, her like what Jane is as a hero in her plight to stop uh, Mangog. She never hesitates. She never gives up. She knows what's going to happen, and she makes her choice, and she does it. Um, I mean, there's not a lot to discuss in this book because you know where it's going, but it was really heartbreaking to see Jane make these sacrifices knowing what's going to happen, and I really look forward to the epilogue of what like of this this story the death of Jane Fa- or Mighty Thor and where it goes with her spirit or whatever is supposed to be the next issue um this is the end of his James Aaron's Mighty Thor run i i've been loving it so far all the way back to Unworthy Thor it's going to flip over to um uh Thor Odin's son again uh i i i can't get enough of it i, I I don't think he's worn out his welcome on this book, and I look forward to hopefully seeing Thor become worthy again. Like I said, I just can't praise this book enough, and I look forward to the end of this storyline. Right, so there's been, you know, obviously a lot of discussion. You and I have been both big fans of this run uh, in its entirety, you know, going back to when it was Thor, God of Thunder, up to Jane taking over the the mantle, of course. And I know there's been a lot of people who have not been super keen on this, of course. Um, their big thing being... Uh, whether they don't like the portrayal of Jane Foster from the movies, or just not really getting why uh, Jane was worthy enough to carry the hammer. Uh, mm-hmm. If there was a question that you had in your mind, why Jane Foster was worthy enough to carry the hammer, and you're still with the book this far, this issue answers all of those questions for you. Mm-hmm. The sacrifice that she gives and everything that she's gone through in her life up to this moment to make that decision and how it's her, the one who figures out how to finally defeat the Mangog. And obviously without her, you know, Asgard be destroyed, the world would be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And this, we knew that it was coming, that Jane Foster was going to die. I'm sure we knew she was going to have a noble death. And we've still got one more issue left to go to finally put the bow on this chapter of Jason Aaron's Thor run uh, as a transition back into Odinson being the Thor. And obviously we talked here, I think, a few weeks ago on what our speculation is of what that's going to be. Um, I think it was 
something that Jane was going to somehow become part of the hammer or infused with the hammer or something like that we had discussed. Right. And that is how Molnir is going to go back to Odin's son. Currently, he's missing the arm, and it's kind of like that dark black metal. And that in, Uru. Okay, right. And then in more recent issues that we see him appearing, it's gold. So obviously, there's going to be some transition there. Maybe it's the arm. Maybe it's the hammer. We will certainly see. But I think the presence, the feeling, the whatever of Jane Foster is still going to exist as long as Jason Aaron is writing this book. Mm-hmm. And this book is great. You know, there's been multiple opportunities uh, for you to hop on. Uh, I, I'm sure there are at least one or two trades that are part of that limited 99 cent sale that's been going on for the last three weeks. So be sure to check that out. And this will probably go down in history as one of the great runs of Thor. You know, like everybody compare, says Walt Simonson, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, Jason Aarons is, is going to be up there for both Jane Foster and uh, Thor Odinson. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my book is Killer Be Killed number 17, written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips. Mm -hmm. We're in the middle of the ongoing storyline, but specifically this part, where Dylan is in a men mental institution. After he had the big blow-up uh, with his roommate and his ex-girlfriend, where he thought he was seeing the demon that had been prompting him to kill, he has been locked up. Uh, he admits in group that he was the killer, uh, the red mask killer, essentially. And they, the people in group, reveal to him that the red mask killer is still out there. On top of that, Dylan notices one of the orderlies, Perry, may or may not be abusing some of the female patients at this men mental institution. So with all these pieces on the table... Dylan makes the decision to kill Perry. Now, Dylan also has begun stopping taking his meds so he can have a clear mind. But in having a clear mind, he starts to wonder whether or not he has created this in his head so he has a reason to kill, which was his original being to kill people, that he had to kill one person a month because of the demon. Um, also, of course, with... I think to us, the reader, they're giving us information. We have seen Dylan be the killer. He's in the mental institution. He cannot get out. But the papers are telling us that the killer is still out there. Is the killer the roommate? Or is all of this made up in Dylan's head? I don't think it's the roommate. Okay, I know you... I But there are the pieces there in this book to make you believe that possibly it could be any and all of these things. Um, right. Right. Go ahead. Well, there's a bit in the book in here where he's saying that he, he was supposed to tell us how his roommate turned him in. Mm -hmm. And he found the mask or whatever because they mentioned that in past issues. He's like, oh, but I'll get to that later. Right. And maybe that is a swerve that the roommate is wearing it in the... In, in the in the thing, so I don't know, but I don't think it's the roommate. No, no, was... I don't. I don't think it is and has always been. Mm -hmm. But the way that the story is being told, Dylan himself is having doubt, and we, the reader, are being given different doubts as well. Okay. Um, I love this book. I cannot get enough of this book. 
Um, every twist, every turn, even when I know when it's going somewhere, it just takes a different exit to get there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Dylan finds out more information about the Red Mask Killer still being out there. Um, and then he is uh, seemingly dead set on getting out of the institution and finding out what is going on with this person out there posing possibly as the Red Mask Killer. Right. I said it before, I'll say it again. I love this book. Dude, uh, really good. That Ed Brubaker can write. We say that occasionally on this show. Absolutely. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, uh, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you win the trades, the oversized hardcovers, the Omnibuy, however it is that you get your books, know what's coming out, be forewarned, be forearmed. Todd and I are doing two things with our poll lists in the calendar year 2018. One is the thing that we always do, which is attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead with three correct guesses over Todd. Uh, The other thing is we're keeping a running tally of how much money we have spent, less uh, supplies, on comics (laughs) in the calendar year, week by week, running tally at the end of the, you know, at the end of every month here, at the end of every whatever. Uh, Todd still is in the lead, a hefty lead. And I think uh, that mask, uh, that Casey Jones replica mask he purchased a couple weeks ago, uh, plus a, a few books here and there. But I do like to point out, as I do in the poll post here, I'm right on track with my uh, spending habits of the last two years. Not too, too far above and not too, too far below. And I think I'm right around where I would normally be in the first quarter. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> se- and second of all, whoever came up with this idea to tally this up, it was the worst idea we ever had because I'm really starting to make myself sad looking at, at at numbers at the end of my it's at the end of my list of books and then I see total to date I go oh my god wow and, and again I I say that seems about right I'm right in the ballpark I'm more sad by the fact that you sent me your list and I didn't notice that you had the book titled Green Lantern and the Green Lantern Corps. Oh, it's it's Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern Corps, Joe. I'm fixing it as we speak. Um, sorry about that. No, I just noticed it now. Green Lantern in the Green Lantern Corps. Yes, I would that's read what that you book. Had it titled as. I would read that book. Right. I would read the hell out of that book. Uh, so looking at your list, let's see what Todd is most looking forward to coming out this week. I'm gonna guess Doomsday Clock number four. It is not Doomsday oh, Clock. Oh my goodness. Number four. The book I'm looking forward to most is the end of a writer writing character that they created. <gasps> and I want to see how it goes. It's Jessica Jones 18. Oh, it's see- double J. That's J-E, double S. <laughs> I see I – she doesn't have a lot of double letters in there. But double J, Jessica Jones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Just wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's uh, – him and his guitar. Uh, how do you hold the guitar? Anyway. Um, you hold it by the neck. That's true. <laughs> Only an idiot would say you hold it by the hilt. What a dum-dum. <laughs> what a dum-dum. So I'm looking over your list, Joe, and is the book you're looking forward to most Saga 50? It is Saga number 50, Todd. 
That's my layup. I missed it on Kill or Be Killed last week. I ain't missing it on Saga. Right. A lot of big stuff. You know, again, it's mentioned Doomsday Clock, of course. Uh, the end of Dark Knight Metal. Let's see how that plays out. Um, the end of Jessica Jones, of course. Uh, any of these books could have been contenders. But if it's a week that Saga comes out, you could bet your uh, sweet bippy uh, mm-hmm. that it's going to be Saga. That's right. And, or it could be Green Lantern and the Green Lantern Corps. Or Green Lantern and the Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. Either or. One of those two books. That is true. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the stuff that we've ever done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, uh, Todd and Joe have issues, the hit sensation of 2017. Everything Todd and I have ever done on the internet exists over at longboxheroes.com, as does our store, uh, which not only can you purchase a sticker with our fancy logo on it, not only can you purchase a shirt with our fancy logo on it, you can currently pre-order a enamel pin <laughs> of our fancy logo. And also, okay, so, what side so show Joe? <laughs> Did you just get hit in the face with a rake once, not a thousand times. Right. Uh, but also for a limited time, possibly not as limited as that Marvel uh, digital sale that's going on, uh, you could pre-order uh, the pin with the shirt at a lower price. Uh, I think the price for the pin and the shirt together uh, is 20 bucks, where normally the shirt is 15 and the pin would be 8 uh, A couple extra bucks if you go with the 2 or 3X sizes. And uh, like I said, the pins are not in yet, but uh, if you pre-order them, you are guaranteed to get one of those pins. Yes. Uh, Limited edition. What was it? Limited, extremely limited edition. (laughs) Um, And if you don't want a shirt, don't want a pin, don't want a sticker, you could always purchase something through our Amazon click-through across the top of the page. Not going to cost you anything extra. Gives us a little bit of kickback. They call it an advertising fee. I call it something that makes Todd happy once every two months when I give him the ka-ching when we get that roll through from Amazon themselves. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week uh, is the Taylor Classic Series Large Dial Thermometer. Mm, uh, thermometing large dials. Yes, a Yellow Knife brand USB charging cable. And you know me, if you purchase something with a very long and cumbersome description, boy, howdy, am I reading that entire thing on the show? Because someone purchased the Evertop Combination Lock Medicine Cabinet with separate compartments, portable (laughs) modern medium storage makeup case container, organizer storage box, hard carrying case with code lock. With code lock or without code lock? It says with code lock. Okay, I was worried that they didn't get the code lock. Not to be fu- confused with Grimlock. Mm, me, Grimlock, kick butt. Oh, Grimlock, did you push Todd <laughs> away from the microphone? <laughs> no. All right. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. My we voice had. Cracks, like the squeaky voice teen. We're up to double digits on Simpsons references. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, could you ever have too many Simpsons re- re- references? Say six um, is the over under. Okay. Um, by super contributor Euronymous, he sent me a, the last of he thinks of his doodles from an indie book called Farlane the Goblin. Um, I didn't get to see who he, who, who did it because he didn't put the name of the uh, creator in it, but it's a nice little doodle. I love, I love doodles. And I also had an art attack this week, Joe. You did? Yes, I put it up. 
Uh, it was an Alan Davis Batman in my sketchbook that I got years ago at Baltimore. And this is how I remember where it was when I got it. It was the year we interviewed James Asmus and Gail Simone. And no one else? And no one else. Did we interview anybody else? That yeah. Mark Wade. That, did we do Mark Wade that weekend too? No, there was someone else that we interviewed that weekend, but I'm not going to mention Oh, oh that's right. All right, different show. <laughs> okay, took me a second. Come on, kayfabe, but, brother. Kayfabe. But uh, I can't remember if it was James Asmus I had a run, we had a runoff to or Gail Simone. I think it was Gail Simone because I remember basically Alan Davis was taking sketches for uh, like I th- maybe it was Hero Initiative, but it was for charity. And it was like, oh, the first six people at my table at this time – get sketches and me and josh were waiting like we were waiting like behind pillars waiting for him to come back to the table and then we jumped and when we did josh got josh was in front like oh like the time is coming for and there was somebody in front of us too and so like but we were in the front six and i was like so we're definitely in our sketches i'm like i gotta meet joe to interview gail and blah 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 and me and josh swapped places because we were both guaranteed you know what i mean so he's like go and you can get and i ended up remember meeting you and i didn't even i don't even think i was on the interview with gail because remember that all got all screwed up and you were just you were sitting by her side while she was signing stuff yes so there you go but i got an alan davis batman and i'm very happy because he doesn't come across the pond much right Yay for Todd. Yay for Todd, indeed. So, um, of course, if you have an art uh, that you've gotten at a convention, uh, whether you purchased it, had it commissioned, purchased pages, you yourself are a burgeoning artist, uh, tweet at us uh, with the, uh, make sure to include Todd's art attack altogether as one word in there, and uh, we'll make sure to share the uh, cool art that you have with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of social media, Todd, one of the things that is sweeping social media by storm is in six days todd the solo a star wars story denny's menu comes to fruition oh my goodness now people mostly you have been speculating (laughs) as to what some of those menu (laughs) items are going to be Mm -hmm. uh just in the last week alone todd uh you have speculated such uh menu items gourmet dishes gourmet dishes right uh, such as, as I'm looking through them here, the Den Garden salad, <laughs> yep. uh, the Lando Calrissianti pasto. Another great I'm one. Right, putting that together correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Tatooine dessert menu, Wookie lime pie, and <laughs> I, I feel dirty just talking about pie on this show. Somebody alert people that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, baby dewback ribs. Right. And uh, my personal favorite, even though I'm not a fan of this particular uh, meat, uh, Bib Fortuna salad sandwich. <laughs> that one knocked it out of the park. Right. Home a, run, Chippa. I am a big Bib Fortuna fan, uh, and I would eat his salad sandwich if there was uh, such a thing made. But uh, what I'm discussing is, as the menu comes live on April 3rd, uh, mm-hmm. which is one week from the recording of this, six days from this episode coming out. Uh, we are getting together, Todd and I and a few other folks, uh, are getting together at a local Denny's establishment on day one to uh, dis- to eat some of the items 
from the uh, Denny's Han Solo menu, but also more than likely record an ep- episode of After Dark while doing so. Much like we did with the Fantastic Four menu, we're going to retap that uh, gold for some, uh, that, that mine for some more gold. That's right. As of right now, I don't know who's going because some, some people fell out. Some people want to be added. It's a whole thing. But are we 100% sure it's going to be a menu? Do I have to pull the tweet back up again? Is that what they said or is that our tweet? No. Twitter. Denny's. Han Solo. And see, other people are doing this, uh, but I, I, I don't agree with them doing it. Here is a tweet from Denny's. For those asking, it's happening April 3rd at your local restaurant. Not a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And when you click on that, it takes you to a whole merchandising Lucasfilm Disney thing of all of their partners that they're going to be doing with this. Mm-hmm. And it says right in here, uh, ba ba bunch of stuff about Denny's and it says that it's going to be a de- a a uh a uh Star Wars themed menu items. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. I was worried. Uh so if you are in the greater Scranton Wilkes-Barre area and would like to join us, to partake in some of these items, be sure to contact us, and uh, we'll certainly be, uh, we'll we'll see if you'd like to join us. Oh, it'd be take, it's a Denny's takeover. Right. Uh, but no information, no new uh, information, unfortunately, in regards to uh, any speculation, rumor, and innuendo on what some of the items on the uh, menu could be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we, we remember we talked about they were going to do, like, solo cups and all that sort of Right, genre. that I knew, that I knew, but I didn't know if, I was hoping Denny's wasn't going to have, like, a solo coloring book or something they were going to give away. Right. And we get there, we look foolish. They might. Mm-hmm. But listen, if plans change and they do release some of these menu items beforehand, I'm surprised that there's no commercial yet for this. We're a week away, Todd. Well, there wasn't any, I mean, I know it's even Star Wars and Solo, but like any of the other menu items that they have, they never had commercials for. There there was a Fantastic Four commercial. Was there really? Yes, and there was a a Lordy the Rings uh, Hobbit one, too. (laughs) Lordy the Rings Yeah, what is it called? Lord of the Rings. Oh, Lord of the Rings. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, as I'm looking at the Denny's, uh... YouTube page that doesn't appear to be anything up there currently in regards to a Han Solo. Uh, now if they just answer their emails. Oh boy, I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm going to leave them alone, Todd. Mm-hmm. But I do remember there being a Fantastic Four commercial where like the thing was at Denny's eating his burger with his sandwich on it. He was He was eating his own sauce at the... Right. At Denny's? Wow. There was multiple commercials. Um, there was uh, a commercial for... It's, it shows all four of them uh, enjoying an omelet 
a Fantastic Four cheese omelet. And then hmm. the other one is mentioned before where the Thing is enjoying the Thing Burger. Thing Burger. <laughs> now, why did he not get Alon- Alonzo Jones to be uh, oh, he the Denny's like, spokesperson? Anyway. We wanted to hire him last week. Han Burger. <laughs> All right. Let's get into TV talk. Uh, we have Legend of Tomorrow and Crypt to talk about. <laughs> so, um, you want to talk about Krypton first, since that's like the older of them? Sure, why not? Going back to Krypton. I don't think so. S- styling, profiling, realizing. No, that's the other guy. Oh, he, I just got here. Now, okay, so uh, this is the story on Krypton. As uh, Kal-El, Superman as we know him's grandfather, uh, is sad because his grandfather died. So Superman's great-great-grandfather died. Right. And this is just continuing the cycle of the House of El uh, being the people that are going against whatever the regime in charge of Krypton is. um, Essentially saying, hey, there's something out there. We're not alone in the universe. We can't ignore this forever. We can't be isolationists. We need to do something about this. And they're like, heretic, you must die. Right? Uh, so we see, uh, what's, uh, what's the grandfather's name? Seg? Superman's grandfather or? Yeah. Su- Superman's grandfather is Seg. The okay. lead character of the show. Right. Which is, uh, have you noticed the take, what the name's supposed to be yet? It's Seg L. I'm not picking it up because I'm stupid. It's supposed to be uh, Siegel and Schuster. Siegel. Oh, that's honestly what it's supposed to be. Okay. It's a take on his name, Siegel. I get you. I'm with you now. now you well, they lose the name L. They're classless. Right. Because of the uh, the actions of the, the grandfather from there. So we see Seg L as a young boy. He sees the grandfather, his grandfather, uh, be killed for his ways. And then we flash forward several years in the future, where he's just a common bum getting into bar fights with a bartender who doesn't look anything like uh, Thomas Hiddleston, who plays Loki in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Films. But then we see a man in unfamiliar garb, at least to the Kryptons, uh, more familiar to us, lurking around, snooping around, trying to get close to Seg. Um, And then we find out later that it is Adam Strange, who comes from our time, uh, with one of those uh, crystals from the Fortress of Solitude that has the Superman corporate logo on them, <laughs> tells Seg that he has to find the fortress, put the crystal in the for you know, go to the fortress, find out, and save this time so that in the future, Kal-El, his, great- his grandson, can live and be the greatest hero of all time. Right. All right, so... Uh, what are your thoughts or your feelings or whatever on this show? Um, you know what? I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was good. I thought it, I liked the whole idea of Adam Strange coming back with the cape and it's the whole, uh, it's basically the, the, the Polaroid and back to the future. He's like, we got to fix this because once the cape is gone, Superman's gone forever. And, you know, he's the greatest hero of all time. I thought it was actually interesting, like, showing the houses of, like, what uh, the, the Zod house is. And we find out that uh, Sega has been sleeping with one of the the, the, the Zod family, the daughter. And uh, 
the whole is it the M family or is it the Vex family? Vex family. Vex. Who, Vex, who wanted to like wipe out the L name, and he's going to take um young Sieg into his household. He's going to take his surname and everything like that. And then we get the one thing that I don't like in all superhero stuff is we get the Batman thing where Sieg's everybody, all his family gets wiped out. So he's like he's the sad orphan who's he's going to be the Batman of Krypton. Um, so that I didn't like, but I did like the take on it. I thought it was going to be more like the Man of Steel Krypton, which was what the rumor was, and like even the S that goes into the door to open the Fortress of Solitude looks like the S that was controlling the Phantom Zone in the in the Man of Steel movie, if you remember. But it doesn't make much sense in that in the Man of Steel movie. They knew that there was life out in the universe and they were going to, uh, what do you call it, seed different things. So they had outposts on different worlds where this one, they're saying, like, oh, we, we know there's no life out there, which is a lie because the cult leader says, like, it's blasphemy and everything like that. Uh, the, I forget, was this, the, the Sons of Rao or something like that was the cult or their religion or whatever. Um, but like I said, it was basically an interesting uh, first episode. I don't know if I'm going to stay with it because I have a lot of TV to do, but I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. If I have time, uh, I may watch it. I, I like some of the twists and turns that, that they threw at us about it. But overall, I wasn't blown away, but I wasn't, you know, disappointed in it either. There was enough pieces in here to make me not hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt as though they needed to do a little bit better of a job of establishing some of the other characters who they're leading, that they're hope the rest of the cast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why a lot of it had to be on Seg, of course, because he's going to be our lead character. Um, obviously, the stuff with his parents and the parents making the sacrifice again is mentioned. You know, you mentioned now he's an orphan. I don't think they're going to go with the the route of him being the Batman of Krypton, where he's going to be like some sort of weird thing, looking the shadows or whatever it is. No, what I meant more of is he's going to be the hero who had his motivation is his parents are dead. You know what I mean? Like, I get bored with that, but go ahead. Right. Um, I wonder how more of this is going to come out. I will say this. I was impressed on how good this show looked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we kid sci-fi because we love uh, some of the stuff that gets put out on sci-fi is of questionable and subject quality at times. And I know a lot of other people were saying that other original series this had looked good. What was the one that you had mentioned, um, Blood Drive, from a couple of years back? Blood Drive was good, but it was made to look like a grindhouse thing, so mm-hmm. it was kind of hokey. But it's still it's still interesting effects uh, for a cheap, you know, sci-fi TV show. Uh, but I would say, like I said, it, I, I was surprised on how good this looked. Mm-hmm. And... Again, I'm interested to see where it's going to go. It's only like 10 episodes, 12 episodes. I'm not really sure uh, how far it's going, but, uh, you know, I'm at least in for a second episode. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to give it a try, especially since uh, Flash is on hiatus and we don't really, we don't want to do Walking Dead anymore. Thank God I've been watching that. Oh, God. Um, That's on you, but- brother. That is, I just watch it because I joke, uh, I've talked with a couple of friends, is I have sweat equity into, into Walking Dead. And I'm not doing anything on Sunday night, so I watch it. But uh, it looks like with uh, that, with no uh, Flash, I'm going to watch uh, Krypton. But 
I want to see because the one thing that has me interested is who is the quiet uh, cult leader of the Sons of Rao or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I have a feeling we're going to know who that is when they take off the mask. And that's like the one thing that has me intrigued. Right, the uh, Living Tribunal person. Yes, yes. That's immediately what I thought of, too, when I saw it was the Living Tribunal. Right, and I, I will even say this. Over on the Indiba, there's a bunch of people where it's not giving you the full names of who they are. Mm-hmm. They're being very um, secretive. Right. Uh, about who is what and how and so forth. So it'll be very interesting to see who these characters become and who their placeholders are going to be in the DC Universe. Mm-hmm. All right, so on to Legends of Tomorrow, a.k.a. Wiggo Clock, <laughs> a.k.a. I'm glad that I did not read the uh, episode title for this week's episode. While not very creative or original, in called I, Ava, I may have put the pieces together earlier in the show than I did when they revealed it to me the way that we were supposed to. So... Uh, we got our three storylines going on in this. Uh, your C storyline is um, Zari teaching uh, Heatwave how to work his totem, since they're both totem bearers. And it was essentially the odd couple, wacky sacks, yakety sacks, whatever part of the show. Uh, your C story is where uh, Steel and uh, Kid Flash, Wally West, uh, go to current day, 2018, to try to find Vixen of our time, who does not have a power totem, and protect her before the Daharks show up. And then, of course, our A story is uh, Brandon Routh, uh, Ray, uh, Sarah, and Gary from the Time Bureau uh, <laughs> going to the, tw- the year 2322 to find out the secret truth about Ava. Right. Um, the B story, though, with Vixen wasn't going to save her from the darks. They were saving her because the darks had her grandmother's totems, which so it was changing time. So she was doing hero stuff without her totem and almost getting killed when she did it. Right, right. So they were going to check on her and talk to her. But then they end up seeing, uh, I can't think of the, uh, the the current sister, the one who has the water totem. She was there to visit her because even though she hates her, she's still her sister. But there may have been a plan there because that's the one thing that I liked about the B plot was I really wasn't sure who like who was helping who at times, whether it was like a work or like uh, they were she was in league with Dark to get the totem. But in the end, she ends up giving the totem back to her sister or her grandmother. And so I was happy with that. But, man, Steel is gullible. <laughs> Way too gullible. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, so, good episode, of course. Our main plot is all the Ava stuff where we find out what her secret is. Uh, surprise, she's a clone from the future. Or is she? Or is she? Or is she the basis for the clones in the future? That's what, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking she's, she's Ava... You know, uh, patient zero. Yeah. yeah, she's the one. So I want to see where that goes. So this is one of those things where here's a character that we don't really need to know what her backstory is. It's just like, okay, here she is. She's the head of the Time Bureau, right? She's a mm-hmm. good fighter, whatever it is. There was that one issue or issue episode previously that they teased at the beginning of this where Rory says, um, Sarah can never know what Ava's deal is. So mm-hmm. obviously there's a seed, it's something. Now that we know what it is, it raises more questions than it answers. 
Right. And I thought that was very well done. Um, now, while there was no wig work in this episode, twice <laughs> within the first seven minutes of the show, Gary postulates that he's going to have to pose as Ava, <laughs> putting on her pantsuit and a wig of hers. Now, two things about that. One, they know we know about the wigs, Todd. They know. They They're know. writing into the show. Mm-hmm. And, and secondly, I can almost guarantee you that the Gary character already has said wig made of hairs that he's collected from Ava over their time together. This is the first, like, they've always had, like, he's always had this unrequited love of her. But it's kind of been a, a little bit more subtle in previous episodes. But what are you beca- saying? This one is a bit creepy? <laughs> but because Gary was part of the A story, they let get the lean on that much more heavily. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's going to be a subplot maybe at the end of this season or at some time in the future where he's going to get his own Ava clone, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Like Ava, Ava Prime, the one that we've known over the last several episodes her and Sarah are going to be back together, and then Gary's going to get his own essential real doll, Ava clone, <laughs> for mm-hmm. whatever purposes he's going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, other people had mentioned there's been a lot of running themes through this season, not only uh, through the, uh, the entire course of the show, with all the terrible wig work, but also Upswipe, which was the Tinder knockoff that Ray was working for when the Legends disbanded at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. They bring Upswipe up Every other episode, it seems. And people on Twitter were postulating, is this going to be some sort of bigger payoff? Right. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's just like, that's one of the things that we created. Uh, Let's just kind of keep running with it to keep our little world alive, you know? Let's get get our money out of what we created. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we created this thing. We made our own fake Tinder. Let's always mention our fake Tinder. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you, I think, had maybe a different... Uh, thought processes on it, maybe? Yes, I did. I mean, I'm not, I'm, you're not saying this is what it's going to be, but my belief is still that uh, Jackson is going to show up and he's going to get the fire totem because it doesn't seem like something that Mick is uh, good for. Uh, heat wave. He has the fire totem now, but I really don't believe that. Uh, you know, it's it, the long term. It's going to be with him. But I think that's a way to give Firestorm the powers, be a la the elemental Firestorm from the comics. And maybe you need another person to do it because of what the Matrix is. And what if that, like the the the, the upswipe, finds someone compatible for him, and he become they merge to become the new Firestorm. That was like a weird, just like stupid theory that I had. I like theory. Not the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Upswipe. It's what brought us together to do this podcast. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, so it was a good episode. Uh, not a great episode, but I think building up toward the end of the season, right? Yes, and it had my favorite line in all of Legends of Tomorrow up to this point is Brandon Routh saying, this is the second worst attack of the clones I've ever seen. Yes. Oh, I got a big kick out of that, especially since uh, David of Podvocacy and Everlasting Minute uh, is an apologist, a shameful apologist of the prequels and the fact that even this show uh, with his phenomenal wig work, takes a shot at the, uh, I would say, most terrible of the prequels, Attack of the Clones. I don't know. I think Phantom Menace might be the worst. No, wait. Attack of the Clones probably is the worst. Phantom Menace is dull and long. 
But that double sword fight at the end with Darth Maul is pretty awesome. Double sword fight, pod race scene. You got two cool scenes in there, right? Right. By the time uh, Attack of the Clones comes out, it's just, it's Dolesville. Everything looks faker than fake. Nothing feels as though it has any real stakes. Mm-hmm. It's the height of George Lucas garbage filmmaking. Right. And then at least uh, Revenge of the Sith has the, has, you know, the whole Darth Vader moment, you know, like where he's fighting with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi Lava. I like that. And I don't care what anybody says. The no scene isn't as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Nah, I can. It's of the things wrong with the prequels. It's in the top ten, but it's not in the top five. No. Right now, the other thing that I forgot to mention, uh, with the B plot at the very least, uh, Damien Dark's daughter is becoming more and more of a vessel of Mollus. Mm-hmm. And Damien Dark is starting to second, uh, second guess himself. Maybe I shouldn't have made a deal with this demon to give him my only child for yes, all the power and, in the world. And that's some of the best scenes in there too is when he's torturing Steel. Right. And he's like, my heart isn't in it. And they become like weird buddies for a minute. I can see, we only have two more episodes left for the season, by the way. Oh, do we? I didn't know that. Yes, I okay. just double-checked on the IMDBA. Uh, I don't want to tell you what two weeks from now's episode title is, uh, mm-hmm. but next week's episode title is Guest Starring John Noble. I don't think the actual name of the episode, mm-hmm. not that I know who John Noble is. John Noble is the voice of Malice. Oh, okay. Mollus, Mollus. He's and he's an actor from different stuff. But I think from what I heard, and I don't know this one hundred percent, is he's actually playing himself on the episode, and mm-hmm. he's also the voice of the like. It's going to be two separate things unless they merge them together somehow. Gotcha. So, as long as he wasn't one of those doctors, he's all right by me. But uh, yes, I enjoyed the whole like. Let's make this a safe area. <laughs> And they're fighting. He's like, he's like, oh, like, and he's fake torturing him. Is like absolutely hysterical. He's like, oh, that hurts so bad. He's like, did you believe? He's like, yeah, no, just a little bit more. Dark's like a little bit. Oh, there's so much blood. Why are you hurting me? And it's weird. Maybe Dark will take a a face turn, Joe. That's what I'm thinking. I think in one of the last two episodes, we're gonna get that baby face turn where he begrudgingly held up goodies. Mm-hmm. And then says, now we're even, even though he really didn't do much of anything. Right. Or hopefully, maybe, personally, what I would love is they have to reform him, and he's a member of the team for season four. Oh, there you go. That, that'd, be, like, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, kind of like the, like, oh, I could change, and he's, you know, and he's doing the whole, like, if we just kill them all, our problems will be solved. Like, we have to find a, a solution without killing everyone. He, he, I think he would make a good recurring character. I really like him. Mm-hmm. So. so I guess, is there anything else that we need to discuss? No, and there's no Flash again going to be for next week, I guess. Uh, let me see when Flash returns. Flash returns. Oh, and the thing that I don't like about uh, is I really still don't like Kid Flash's costume. He looks so, like, bulky and When like, he's not bloated. in motion... Mm-hmm. Like the scene where he charges at uh, what's her face, and she right. steals his power, and then he falls. The costume looks so bad when it's like in motion, but not fast motion. I know what you're saying. Like he falls down, he looks he looks like he's all puffy. Yeah, when they put the stink lines on him, he looks better. 
<laughs> wow. Seven and a half is the over-under on now. Two, uh, two weeks. Uh, Flash okay. returns in two weeks. Yep. And there appears to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Ugh. episodes. Oh, boy. Hey, guys, remember when I said you don't have to go all 22 episodes? Just, you could take his word. All right. So, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Longbox Heroes, uh, episode 391. Uh, for Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Woo!